Good morning again, everyone. Good to be with you today. It's beautiful outside and it's beautiful inside. Some great songs for us to sing. We're going to be talking about unity today. And so you may have noticed a theme like that, a common love that we began with this morning. You may have noticed that theme in our singing. I want to test your eyesight and your memory. I have a very small illustration here in my pocket. And I wonder if any of you know what this is. Anybody ever play that game? Uno. What does the word uno mean? It means one, right? Look at there. It's got a one on the other side. What do you know? So uh, we're going to talk about unity, but the word unity comes from a Latin word that means one. It's similar to the word uno here. In Spanish, it means one. Now, uh, anybody ever play the game uno? Yeah, the goal is to uh, be the first one to get rid of all your cards. And when you get down to one, you say uno, right? Now, would you say the game uno is a team sport or an individual sport? It's an individual, isn't it? Individual. Some of us are playing uno. Not with cards, but with life. In terms of our own way of what we want and the way things should be. Uh, We could write greeting cards that say, you know, there are two ways to look at things. There's my way and, well, actually, there's only one way to look at things, right? We could write that little cartoon in a greeting card. So we're going to talk about unity because, astonishingly, in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, and we're going to read, and not just read, but study from John 17 in just a minute, Jesus, of all the things that he could pray for with his disciples, after he has had the last supper with them, and we just repeated that with the Lord's Supper, uh, after he has done that, he prays for them and for us. He prays for them standing there, and he prays for all who will come to believe through their word, through their testimony. And the thing he prays for is not protection from persecution, it's not the forgiveness of sins, The thing he prays for is that they may be one. Not a bunch of little unos, but all together one. It's about belonging. Belonging in a way that forms unity. Unity is difficult. I come from a family in which I have three brothers and a sister. I'm the youngest of the boys. We're all about about two years apart, and then so I'm the youngest boy, and then my sister is uh, about 12 years younger than me, and unity was not always exactly how we experienced life among the the four of us boys in particular, or uh, add a sister in there, and well, you can imagine, right? And so we didn't always experience unity. Sometimes we did. Sometimes we did not. After we were grown, however, my parents were building a house. They wanted to build a house uh, with enough space for all of us to come back and visit and bring our children with us and so on. And so they're building a pretty big house. And one part of that is this large window that's, I would call it just a big picture window, but it's about eight feet wide and about 14 feet tall. And so uh, they're, they're building the house and they want to 
install this window that comes in three sections. Can you sort of imagine it wouldn't come in one piece? And they arrange a time for me and all my brothers and my sister to be there to help install this window, because to a great degree, they're doing a lot of this work themselves. The windows, I don't know if you know this or not, but they're made of glass, right? And this one in particular is concerning to all of us because it's so big and it comes in these three sections, and that when you're up putting in the top, you're up 12 feet up in the air putting in the top part of that. So they invited us all to come and ask for our help. And I'm, I'm happy to say this is an occasion in which we did experience unity. My brothers and I are all around this window, and we all have our hands on it. We're lifting it up. My younger sister is over in some administrative upper management position. And uh, we're uh, all aware that we have this thing that we're doing for people that we love, our parents, and that this is to be handled with care. It's fragile. And it's heavy, and it's awkward, and it's a little dangerous, and we need to work together because one person cannot do this. It's going to require a team. And we were unified on that day. There were other days when we were unified, other days that we were not. But I'm just thinking about what unified us on that day, and it was several things. It was having a common project, a common goal, and sharing some values such as, this is fragile, we don't want to break this. Um, willingness to support and help each other with a little bit of risk involved. And, and I suppose overall, the love for our parents and for our family. This unified us. Despite our differences, our different personalities and differences in opinions, we could come together with a common goal, shared values, and shared love. Unity is difficult, but in Christ, unity is possible. The world is not really overwhelmed with unity right now, is it? One more sort of practical illustration before we uh, see if the Word of God can help us here in John 17. I was just thinking about what really the last two years have been like for so many churches, families, schools, businesses, communities. There have been a lot of pressure and a lot of isolation and separation. We think about dealing with uh, germ control and pandemics and not really knowing what we're doing and trying to figure that out has just put a lot of load on a lot of institutions that we depend on family and church and community and so on. Have you noticed that in so doing, some of the seams and cracks have been revealed? That that kind of pressure on groups, that kind of pressure on organizations, that kind of pressure on us individually has shown where we could become ununified if we are not careful so maybe, maybe the timing of with the, uh, this, the schedule where we're preaching through the Gospel of John is just a really good time for us to say, what have we learned and what will Scripture help us with if we want to be more unified? Maybe some of the things that have been revealed need to be addressed. Maybe some of them need to be discussed. 
Maybe some need to be forgiven. Maybe some need to be worked out. We'll see if the word can help us think about how to be unified. So in John 17, we are at the end of a long section of discourse from Jesus. Jesus has been speaking to the disciples after washing their feet in John 13. Then he begins to allay their fears in John 14 as they know he's going to be leaving them, but they're not entirely sure what that means. And he's telling them, do not let your heart be troubled. And he's explaining that the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's explaining what his purpose is and what's about to happen. And then he concludes that with a prayer in John 17. He opens that prayer by saying, the hour has come. The hour has come, the hour for Jesus to do the ultimate part of what he will do on earth to give his life on the cross. And so he prays about that and prays that the Father will glorify Christ so that God will, the Father will be glorified through that. And then the rest of the prayer, a little bit about what he's going to be doing, and the rest of it is about those disciples and the disciples who will believe because of those disciples all the way down to us. So I'm going to start reading in verse 11. John 17, 11. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the man of destruction so that the scripture might be fulfilled But now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. We should pause. There's a lot that Jesus says here. We should pause and think about this for a minute. First, Christ prays to the Father for our unity. Christ prays to the Father for our unity. That tells us a couple of things immediately. One, it is a high value to Christ. Our being unified is of high value to Christ. He's praying to the Father for that. He is interceding for that. It's interesting to think about the the Son, God, praying to the Father, God, after all, there is one God. But in our overhearing this prayer, we learn that between the Father and the Son, our being unified is of extremely high value. A second thing that we learn is that we need help being unified. He's asking the Father to help us. We need help being unified. Don't you sometimes need help to live in right relations with other people. On one hand, we might say, well, the choice to be a peaceable person and to get along with other people is, is uh, your choice, right? You have freedom, you have free will, you can choose, do I want to get along or not? On the other hand, there's this prayer that Jesus is offering to ask God to somehow bless us with unity. And one of the questions that might arise is, well, which is it? Is it just up to me to choose? Or is there some reason that we should be praying for unity and asking God 
for help. And in this same section that we just read, these three verses we just read, notice that Jesus, in saying that, also adds, I protected them while I was here. And now I'm coming to you. And Father, I'm praying for you to guard them and keep them. Our unity is at risk because we live in a world where there are forces hostile to our unity. What are some of the forces in the world that could, if left unchecked, if we're not defended against them or we don't have strength against them, what are some of the forces in our world that could disturb our unity? It's not hard to think of things in the world that can disturb our unity. First of all, sin. Sin is loose in the world and it's going around and leading people to envy one another and to hurt one another, to steal from one another, to lie for one another, to uh, be uh, gossiping about one another, all these ways in which sin is loose in the world. And behind that, Satan himself is going around as a predator, looking for someone to devour. And for Christ to pray for the Father to help us with unity is for him to pray for the Father to help us with sin and temptation. We need that help. Thank you, Jesus, for praying for help for us because we need it. Don't lose sight of the fact that this prayer is coming after uh, three chapters in which Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit is coming. For the Father to help us to be unified is one manifestation of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. To help us against the enemy is one way in which God's presence helps us in our lives. We will be tempted in ways that threaten to disrupt unity. But because Christ has prayed for us, we have the ability to say no to that temptation. Because Christ has prayed for us, Satan is limited in his power. And sin is limited in its ability to tempt us. And he has prayed for us to have protection against those things that would divide us. He hasn't taken them away, but he has set limits for them so that you will not be tempted beyond what you are able to resist. Have you ever been tempted to disturb the unity of the body of Christ? Have you ever been tempted to disturb the unity between brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you been tempted to disturb the unity even between yourself and a family member? Perhaps the most common way that that temptation occurs is through what we might say. Our words are so difficult to control. We have these thoughts, we have impulses, we get tired and impatient, we want our way or we want to win an argument or discussion and we want to be uh, the person who gets their way and with our words, we are often tempted. And our words are hard to control. Christ has prayed for us that we would have protection and that includes 
we have strength to think about our words. You know what it's like, don't you? Surely it's not just me, that you have a thought about something you might say, and a split second later, you realize that might not be the best thing to say, and another split second later, you're saying it. Am I the only one? It's just me and Dennis that that happens to, right? We could, we can do better. We can learn. Christ has prayed for us. Sometimes we make excuses for ourselves. Oh, I just, you know, no one can tame the tongue. James has this phrase that he, that he uses, but it doesn't have to be tame for it to be harnessed. It's going to keep rebelling. You're going to keep having those moments of, oh, I want to say this. Or how about this one? After the conversation is over, you're driving away or you're home and you think, boy, next time I'm going to say this, right? Harness that unruly tongue. Practice listening to God's work in your heart when he gives you that nudge. Sometimes the Spirit a word that also means wind. Sometimes the Spirit is a mighty rushing wind. Sometimes it's a gentle breeze of a whisper. And we can learn to be sensitive to ways in which we might be creating disunity. But we should hope for it and believe that it's possible and not make excuses for ourselves. Why? Because Christ has prayed for us. And because he has prayed for us, God has intervened for us, and God has released greater spiritual power in the world than the powers that are opposed to us in order to protect us. We can do this, not of our own, but because Christ has prayed for us. At the end of the last verse we read, in verse 13, he says, I'm asking for this so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. You may enjoy for a moment saying that word or doing that thing that creates disruption, but you don't really have true and long-lasting joy from that. We have true and long-lasting joy because we belong, and we are in healthy, love-based relationships with people around us. One of the essentials. Sociological and psychological evidence supports this, but you know it's true in the bottom of your heart. One of the essentials to a truly joyful life is having lots of good relationships. One of the reasons that depression and anxiety have increased so much over the last two years is because we've had less opportunity to build new relationships, and we've also been curtailed a little bit in our existing relationships. It's time to strengthen relationships, to build new ones, to renew old ones, and to heal damaged ones so that our joy may be complete. He, Christ gives us the opportunity to see this as a self-serving blessing when he says, I'm asking your help with this father because I want their joy to be complete. If you set a goal that each day, maybe for the next 30 days, you set a goal that each day I'm going to intentionally 
improve a relationship or start a new friendship. You might have coming to your mind as you pray about that things that have happened in the past that are not so good. And you might reach out to a person with whom you haven't had a good relationship and say, I would like our relationship to be better. I want to apologize for my part in this. And I want to acknowledge that uh, my relationship with you is important. And then you might open your eyes and see who around could use a friend or more connection or just more strengthening even to the body of Christ that is here and say, how about we get together and talk? I don't know you very well. Let's have lunch. Let's have coffee. Let's strengthen that relationship. There are things that we can do to live out exactly what Christ is praying for here that will not only be obedient to the heart of Christ, but will also bring joy to our own hearts. Let's read a little more. There's so much to learn from listening to the Son talk to the Father. So verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. The word I want to talk about from those three verses is truth. An essential ingredient in true unity is truth. We are still reaping some of the consequences of the last century and the century before that in philosophy. And one of the things that uh, people sort of recognize over the last couple of centuries of thinking about thinking, you know, that's what philosophy is, right? Is that um, we don't all see reality the same way. Our experiences, our emotions, our tendencies, personalities, education, background, family, all of that is affecting our perception. Unfortunately, while that is true, unfortunately, that has then led people to abandon the idea of actual truth. And we use the word truth sometimes now in the place of the word opinion. It goes like this. Well, you have your truth and I have my truth. This is a problem. If there is no reality, on what basis will we have unity? Right. So let's go back to uh, the language that says, that's your opinion and this is my opinion. From there we can say, let's see if we can get to the truth. Right? Let's base our uh, way of thinking on the truth instead of just, well, you have your opinion, I'll have mine, and we'll just disagree. Sometimes that's going to happen. We may not always agree in all our uh, thinking, in all our politics, in all our preferences. Maybe we will not always agree even on our interpretation of Scripture. But let's bring back 
What Jesus is saying here, there is this thing called truth, and it is ultimately grounded in God. God created the world. There are things about the world that are true and constant because God is true and constant. God created human beings. There are things about human beings, their needs, their purpose, the way they relate to one another that are true because God created them. So real unity, real oneness, to go back to our uno word for just a minute, real oneness is ultimately found in the ultimate one. Real oneness is ultimately found in the ultimate one, who is the creator of all things, the author of all the laws of the universe, and the one who knows how things operate. So real oneness is ultimately found in God. Christ says, I have given them your word, the revealed word of God for us gives us a basis for unity. Even as we try to work out, how do we understand this part of Scripture? Or how does this over here connect with this over here? Even as we try to work that out, Jesus is saying something so important for us here. There is truth. And through the Word of God, we are given truth about God and His love for us and His commands for us and the ultimate outcome and judgment and good and evil. We have truth given to us. And for His disciples to be unified, at the least they have to be committed to this. I want to do what God wants me to do because He is the author of all that is good and true. And it's going to be difficult to be truly, deeply unified without that commitment. Jesus says, I've given them your word and they have believed it. Your word is truth. Our commitment to God's truth is a foundation of our unity. And we will have a difficult time being unified until we do that. Now let's see what he says starting in verse 20. This is where you and I come in specifically. Still praying, Jesus says to the Father, I ask not only on behalf of these, so we might imagine the 12 there with him, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. We got to stop again. This is, there's so much happening here. First of all, he's praying for those who will believe through the apostles' word. Uh, when, uh, those of you that are Christians, when you became a Christian, did the Bible have anything to do with that? Probably did, didn't it? Whether someone read it to you or told you about it or you heard it preached or you read it for yourself, the Bible was involved in that. The words of those apostles are written here. They learned from Christ and saw what he did and heard what he said, and then they wrote stuff down so that we would have a permanent record. So that's you that he's praying for, those who will learn 
through their word, who will come to believe through their testimony. That's us. We're part of that. And we are connected and unified with centuries of people who have done the same. But here Jesus also says, I want them to be one, Father, as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. What is he talking about? We read this morning, we heard this morning stated to us again, the great commandment from John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples because you have this love for one another. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. And they love us. And they invite us to love them. Not only that, but to be in Christ, to be baptized into Christ and be in a covenant with Christ where he is king and Lord and we are serving him and we have pledged our allegiance to him. Do you hear the unity in that? Do you hear the oneness in that? Not only that, but in addition to bringing us into his covenant where we have the forgiveness of sins, Christ also makes this promise. I will ask the Father and he will send you a helper, his Holy Spirit, who will be with you unto the end of the age. So we are in Christ, in his covenant, in his kingdom, in allegiance to him, and he is pouring out the presence of God by his spirit to be in us and help us. And all of this is an expression of love God's love for us and our love for God. I mentioned that my brothers and I, we at least unified on that one occasion with the installation of this window because we had a common goal, like a, a point in the distance we wanted to attain. You decide that you want to do what God wants you to do. And I, starting from over here, decide I want to do what God wants us to do too. As we grow in that, we're going to come closer together. If I decide I'm going to love God with all my heart, and you say, I'm loving God with all my heart too, this brings us closer together. Not only that, but if you make a commitment and you confess your faith in Christ as the Son of God and you're baptized into him, all in, old life done, new life begun, and I do the same thing, then we're part of the same covenant with God in Christ. We've done the same baptism. We've had the same confession. We have the same Lord. We have the same spirit. We have the same goal. And that brings us into a circle of unity, a circle of belonging that we sometimes call church, we call it family of God. We call it brothers and sisters together. We call it um, the kingdom of God. We are unified in that. And Satan does not like that. He will attack that. And he will try to get 
one or both of us to serve some other god that will only be an idol. Or he will try to get one or both of us to break the covenant and no longer keep covenant. Or he will try to get us to love other things in such a way that makes it difficult for us to love each other. But if we are willing, he has no real power because Christ has prayed for us. That we might be one. That we would be um, as Christ is in the Father and the Father is in Christ and he is in us. So we also would be in them in love and in covenant community with one another. The result of this, Jesus has already mentioned, but he will mention it again. So let's not miss this. Uh, so in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become completely one. So that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So that the world may know that what Christ came and thought was true, what he did actually has an impact. So that the world may know he prays that we will be unified. Let's think of it this way. There's so much disunity in the world, so much strife, so much wrangling and everyone playing uno instead of playing unity and love. If you were not a Christian and you were trying to make your way in the world and you had seen people playing this game over and over, every person for themselves, right? How can I get ahead? And everywhere you turned, you found it difficult to trust people and hard to find someone who had your best interest. And that was you, not a Christian out there. And then you came across a group of people. Maybe it starts with just one person. And that person introduces you to another person. And maybe to their families and then maybe to their small group from church and so on. And you found these people are looking out for each other. They sometimes disagree, but they disagree in love. And they say, let's see if we can find the truth about this. And you found people who would share together and who prayed together and who opened their homes to each other. Don't you think if you were that person out there in the world lost and you found that kind of community that you might pause for just a second and say, maybe God is at work in this world. But if you found a group of people claiming to be God's people who didn't do that, it wouldn't take you long probably to say this is no different. There are many forces. If you stop and think now, you can think of particular ones that are attacking you and your relationships. Many forces at work trying to pull apart the unity of the body of Christ. Recognize that. Know that it does not have to be that way. We can overcome our differences if we stay committed to the one who is author of it all, founded on truth which he has revealed to us, 
and serving one another in love. The resources that God has given us will protect us and help us. And Christ has prayed for us. Our unity in the body begins with our connection to God through Christ. And so this morning we have another opportunity to invite you to learn more about that connection, to learn more about what it means to make a commitment to God in Christ. There are plenty of folks here that you have seen leading today. They've been up front making announcements, saying prayers, and helping us with our singing and so on. That would be some people you could identify if you wanted to talk with someone about that. But we also create an opportunity for you to let your desire be known, to be a part of the body of Christ, because we sing a song and we stand and Sometimes people just come to the front and they say, I want to I have prayer. I, I want to become a Christian. I want to know what this is about. We're going to sing that song and stand in just a moment. But I also want to challenge you that you would go out today committed to building relationships that are healthy and unified, that create a community of belonging in Christ, and to identify what it is that Satan is doing to try to interrupt that in your life and to invite Christ in to help heal that. This is a response that we can all make. But if we can help you in a particular way, this is a time that you need. We invite you to come while we stand and sing together.